It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in Tuesday edition of the Leach Report. Happy to have you guys on board. Going to be a rainy uh, few days here, but really nice weather to finish up the weekend and uh, for the Derby. And, uh, you know, after all these years of rainy derbies, it's going to be, it looks like sunny and about 75, 76 degrees on Derby Day on Saturday. There's big news. Uh, out of Louisville at Churchill Downs today, the likely second choice for the Kentucky Derby art collector is out of the race. Now, we don't know the reason yet. Um, Marty McGee, who's a frequent guest on our show from the Daily Racing Forum, uh, Marty tweeted this out and said details would be forthcoming at uh, drf.com, the Racing Forum's site. So we'll, we may get some details during the show, but it's just such a... Uh, tough break for the connections. <laughs> Excuse me. Had to cough for a second. Tough break for the connections because you've got um, the uh, owner, Bruce Lunsford, is a Kentuckian. Uh, the jockey, Brian Hernandez, uh, lives here now, is regularly rides on the Kentucky circuit. And the trainer's just a, was uh, has just been a wonderful story. Tommy Drury, longtime trainer who normally gets horses ready to be shipped off to other trainers. Uh, clients will uh, have him, whether it's a, a young horse or a horse that's rehabbing, and they'll uh, send them to a guy like Tommy Drury to, to get them in ready, and then they'll send them off to uh, you know Bob Baffert or Bill Mott or whoever. And this time, through a, some circumstances, some related to the COVID-19 situation, he got to keep Art Collector, and the horse started winning and getting better and was going to be probably the second choice in the Derby. And uh, uh, Drury had done interviews with everybody, just a wonderful ambassador for uh, racing on this story. And so it's such a uh, uh, sad news to see that coming out today, the day that they are going to draw for post positions for uh, Kentucky Derby 146. So this will make Tis the Law an even heavier favorite. So we may have a little more news on that later in the show. We'll come back to it. But that was the uh, the breaking news today. Coming up on our show, Larry Vaught will join us. Uh, Bruno DiGiulio, uh, who is a clocker. So he is out there watching the horses train every morning and has a team of uh, clockers across the country and uh, they are watching horses train and then doing your reports on those workouts that can help you handicap the races so we'll talk with him a little bit about the derby horses and uh, oaks horses and ken spencer from whas tv in louisville that's our guest lineup for today let's get to the wildcat news of the day and it starts with uh, an addition to john calipari's staff jay lucas joining the staff from texas uh, he's 31 years old he's going to be filling a new role that Cal has created that 
hasn't been clearly defined yet, but recruiting will be a big part of it. And the release from the school says that uh, Jay will be, quote, responsible for all recruiting strategy for the program. He's not going to be able to, uh, since he's not an on-the-court coach, assistant coach, go out on the, on the road. But uh, he can, uh, right now, there's no road to go out on for recruiting. So um, uh, it looks like a great hire for Kentucky. Probably a guy, whenever an opening comes up on the staff, that uh, would slide into an on-the-court coaching role. So uh, Jay Lucas, his dad, John Lucas, the uh, former Maryland uh, player, longtime NBA player. Um, uh, so the, the genes are there. And, of course, you, many of you remember him when Kentucky was recruiting uh, Lucas and Patrick Patterson. And in fact, Patterson had to tweet yesterday that you finally uh, joined up with the right school. Um, so should be a great addition for Coach Cal's staff. A little other Kentucky basketball news. Last night, the Kentucky basketball Twitter account posted a video Speaking out, which the players speak out against racism and police brutality, and it says, "We ask you to join us." They don't demand anything from you; they ask you to join them. Uh, and it ends with uh, the whole team and Coach Cal uh, standing as a group, saying, "Black Lives Matter." So, if you haven't seen it, you can find it on uh, Twitter, I'm sure, or in those social media platforms. NBA playoffs last night. The uh, Bucks, the top seed in the East, were upset in Game One by Miami, one fifteen to one hundred four. Jimmy Butler had a big game for Miami, but around here we focus on the Kentucky guys, obviously. And Bam Adebayo, twelve points, seventeen boards, and Tyler Hero off the bench with eleven points in the Miami victory. So the Heat get the upper hand there, try to steal a an upset from the Bucks. And uh, congrats to Terry Wilson and his girlfriend on the birth of their new baby girl. So. Under normal circumstances, Terry Wilson's daughter would have been born, what, uh, two days before the opening game. Uh, or if the Derby had, if everything had been completely normal, the Derby had been at his regular time, it would have been the week of the opening game, which would have been coming up on Saturday. So anyway, uh, that doesn't happen now to the end of the month, which works out well for uh, Terry and, and family because uh, they get to uh, enjoy this time without uh, a game uh, on the horizon quite as quickly. Congratulations. Uh, you may remember we had Terry on back in the summer and uh, talked to him about uh, the impending birth of, I think he, he knew at that time it was going to be a, a daughter. So um, good for him to, to join the dad club. Links to the stories that we talk about, you can find them on the Bud Light Leach Report page. That's at TomLeachKY.com. Larry Vaught will join us when we come right back. It's the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. 16 past the top of the hour, Tuesday edition of the Leach Report. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Larry Vaught. You read him at VaughtsViews.com and his weekly visits to our show presented by Country Boy Brewing in Lexington. Larry, we'll start with the addition of Jay Lucas to the Kentucky basketball staff. Uh, what do you think about that hire? Well, there was a time I was pretty convinced Jay Lucas was going to be part of the Kentucky basketball <laughs> program. It just took a little longer for it to happen than what I <laughs> anticipated. But I've really not talked to him a whole lot uh, since his recruiting days. But, man, what a personable young man he was then. And I've certainly seen nothing to make me think that has changed. 
And I, I think it's a really interesting move what, what John is doing, trying to change the makeup of his staff around a little bit and hiring a basketball recruiting coordinator. I don't know exactly when we'll know what all Jay's role will be, but I have to think somebody that young, that talented, and that personable has got to be a, a good addition. Somebody that, that especially recruits and both players on campus will really like. He, I think, is doing a, a press session uh, later the, today to uh, meet the media here in Lexington. Uh, back when he was being recruited, it was him and Patrick Patterson that Kentucky had targeted. A lot of folks, folks thought they were going to uh, come together wherever or you go to a school together and uh, it looked like for a time that was going to be Kentucky that was right in the the kind of the crossover when Tubby Smith surprisingly left and Kentucky ended up hiring Billy Gillespie yeah I'm still one that's convinced if Tubby had, had stayed at Kentucky that Jay would have been at Kentucky now we'll see what he says I believe they changed that press uh, available to tomorrow, Tom. If I, if oh, I'm did they? Okay. About that, but I, I'm sure that's one of the things Jay will get asked about and, and, and talk about a little bit. Be interesting to see how he answers. Of course, of course, if I was him, I'd say whatever I need to say to sound to sound the best right now. But we'll, we'll see what he has to say. But you know, him and Patrick were really, really tight, and I was convinced that either Kentucky would get them both, or they wouldn't get either one. And uh, it didn't turn out that way. At least Kentucky got Patrick, and Jay went to Florida, and then went went to later transferred to Texas, but uh, from what I understand, Jay and Patrick are still pretty good friends, which is no surprise, but I think it's really good. I mean, it, it changes some, the dynamics on your staff a little bit. You're bringing in him, you're bringing in Bruiser. Those are two pretty personable, outgoing-type guys. I guess it just shows you how tough it is to replace Kenny Payne. Yeah, it takes two guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Texas, where Jay comes from, not just as a coach, but uh, grew up there. He, that's been a fertile recruiting territory for Kentucky. Yeah, and there's a lot of big, big time athletes there. But I, I think Jay will be a guy that nationally can have a pretty good reach too, especially when you put him on putting that Kentucky on, on his shirt. I think I'll expand that reach a whole, whole lot more. And I've talked to a, a couple other people today that said they thought Jay would. It's really got a good way of relating to parents, which I think is really, really important in recruiting. Is that parents just seem to have a way of kind of gravitating toward him and his personality. And again, for for what he was like back during his days when he was recruited, and I talked to him several different times, and all I can believe that because he just got a really kind of vivacious personality. Just cannot hardly help but just really like him. Yeah, and from everything you you say, the kind of guy that should just. Um you know, step in and uh, and hit the ground running and, and feel real comfortable. I mean, he knows a little bit about Kentucky anyway from being recruited. Yeah, and I'm sure he's followed Kentucky a lot. I'm sure a lot of these guys that Kentucky has recruited, he's probably either tried to recruit or, or certainly been around them. I don't know exactly what history he has with John Calipari or if he, or if he has any. I guess that's what we'll find a little bit more about when we get a chance to talk to him. But, yeah, I don't I don't think like Jay Lucas is going to walk in and be surprised or overwhelmed by anything he finds in Kentucky. I think he's got a really good idea of what he's coming into. And I'm sure he sees this, sees this as a big move up for him. And that, to me, is the kind of coaches you want, guys that are looking to move up and, and come and do a great job and hopefully move up again. Chairman Larry Vaught, uh, you can uh, read his coverage of the Cats at vaughtsviews.com. Uh, what do you think about what you're hearing out of Kentucky football so far in the uh, post-practice interviews? 
I've not really heard anything not to really like, Tom, and, and be excited about. I just kind of keep my fingers crossed that everything's going to work out and they're going to get to play okay and everything. But you, you just hear so many good things. I mean, whether it's how, I mean, one thing, kind of odd thing that kind of impressed me a lot was last week when they were talking about the offensive linemen and how a lot of them had lost weight and reported back in such really good shape that when they even couldn't work out in the facility and all of these so dedicated to what they were doing that they came back probably in even better shape than if they'd been at the facility. And, and that tells me not only do they have the the talent and depth on that offensive line, but they got a really good discipline among all those guys too, which makes for a really good combination. And you just keep hearing so many good things about Terry. And then I, I think Mark Stoops and, and even his players are trying – not to say too much about the, the freshmen, but a couple of folks I've talked to have said there's been an awful lot of these freshmen that have just really stood out so far. Now, again, they're pretty early into, into practice, and a lot of things can still happen. But I think they've got a lot of freshmen that are going to make plays this year. You know, you think back to uh, Nebraska football and you know, the program they built in the 70s uh, under Bob Devaney and then uh, Tom Osborne re-energized there in the 90s. And part of their uh, MO was always, uh, their, their, or not MO, I guess, but part of their rep that was always uh, associated with Nebraska football in, in their glory days was their offensive line and those guys that, uh, you know, they, they produced year in and, and year out. Uh, and it, it's Kind of, uh, it's kind of where Kentucky seems to be headed. That that's the the thing that is maybe uh, developing as their uh, identity. Uh, it, it sure is, and and kind of, I don't know if it's because of that or just a coincidence, but but it seems like the, the defensive fronts kind of come in the same way now. It's because guys you know if they come to Kentucky, they get to practice against an offensive line that'll help make them better. But that seems to be working that way too. And then you get the commitment from Jagger Burton that kind of helps. Okay, we're going to be able to keep this thing going. And that offensive line and all, but I mean, I think Kentucky's got some really good guys that'll be on the second unit this year. However, John Slarman decides to play him, I don't know whether he'll rotate more guys this year, just because he's got more depth or because of the ten game SEC. But I think there's a lot of guys on that offensive line that are just waiting for an opportunity to play that are going to be really good players too. Twenty three past the top of the hour. Take a quick break. Larry Vaught's with us, and we'll be right back. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Chat with Larry Vaught on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Um, Keon Brooks uh, last week generated a little buzz with some things he said, as did the uh, football team the day before with their stand the day they elected not to practice. Uh, the basketball team put out a, a tweet last night uh, collectively um, uh, talking about racism etc and um, I, I think this is a, a time you know there's uh, it's a time when when players ha- feel uh, emboldened I think more than ever before uh, to use their platform and they see players uh, at the the level they aspire to in whatever sport they're in uh, that are, are making stands and using their platforms, and I think it should, nobody should be surprised that the players are, are doing uh, what they're doing and um, you know f- speaking out on issues that are important to them. And I think uh, fans would do well. You you can agree or disagree, but you ought to respect it. Absolutely, that's well put, Tom. And I don't think I 
ever would expect anybody to always agree with me or or anything. So I don't know why sometimes people get so upset if an athlete makes a statement and you don't agree with it. That that athlete or coach or whoever has a right to make to make those statements. They have a right to have their opinions, and I've, I've kind of been uh, applaud those guys for having the courage to make some agree. of those. Uh, I think, and also then I think back to sometimes when I was in college, you just you just kind of do things because you're young and, and you experience things, and you, and you can. I mean, that's kind of part of growing up too, to be able to voice your opinion and get involved. So I, I think it's good. Do I agree with everything? I, I don't know, pro- probably not. But I do respect that you're right or anyone else's right to have an opinion, and I don't quite get the folks that say, "Well, if that's how they feel, I'm not going to support going to any more Kentucky games." That's uh, an opinion that I don't get right there. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And I think you and I work in a business where words matter, the words you choose. And so with that in mind, I thought uh, the, they made the right choice of uh, the word in the video they put out last night. They didn't demand that you join them. They asked that you join them as a fan. Yeah, that's a little subtle thing, but really, really powerful to say it like that, and I think that's the the, the best thing to do. And if you and if you do disagree, that's certainly fine to, to disagree. But that's kind of what our country's about: everybody being able to have their own opinions and voice and voice those. So I, I kind of applaud the players for being willing to do this, and I think it also, on the football side, to me anyway, Tom, at least really shows the growth in Mark Stoops as a, as a head coach. I'm not sure six, seven, eight years ago. He could have probably handled all this near as well as he has right now. I think he's really grown as a coach that understands what's important, what's not important to players, how to relate to them even better. And I thought he really has done a terrific job of handling all this with his team and supporting them and what they're trying to do. And I think that's just really, really important for him to do that. And I think it just tells me how much he has grown as a coach and probably as a person too. Yeah, that's well said, and I, and I think for Kentucky football, uh, one thing you you have had no doubt about uh, all through this uh, this tumultuous year is they are all in together. Yeah, and, and and that's important, and I think that's something that our whole country could ho- hopefully get back to sometime in, in my lifetime. However many years I've got left, I've, I've I've never seen times quite like this, and I hope we can get back to where we can just. Be happy. If we disagree, we can disagree, but there's not so much divisiveness or, or, or hatred even at times on each side. And I think the football team has been a, a, a good example of that. I mean, these guys come from a lot of different backgrounds, but they've all kind of come to the same conclusion. They're all in this together. And, again, I applaud them for that. Larry Vaught, you can read him at vaughtsviews.com. Hear him here on Tuesday's On the Leach Report. Thanks, sir. Have a good week. All right. Thanks, Tom. We'll get right back to the Leach Report in just a moment. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. A little more news on uh, Art Collector out of the Kentucky Derby. Uh, it is a uh, minor injury. Uh, the trainer uh, telling uh, Jenny Reese that... Quote, he grabbed himself yesterday morning during training. It uh, was still sensitive today, and so they um, can get him healthy quickly, just not 
in time to go on Saturday. So the plan is to still uh, run him in the Preakness in Baltimore on the first Saturday in October. Um, as we welcome in Bruno DiGiulio, Bruno with the works.com that you hear, uh, hear us talk about here on the show with uh, daily workout reports from tracks all across the country. And uh, Bruno's hunkered down in Kentucky this time of year with the Derby and Oaks coming up this weekend. And uh, Bruno, we'll start with the art collector news. Uh, did you pick up on anything uh, yesterday when you saw him train that looked uh, different or unusual? Well, you know, I don't want to sound like, you know, oh, yeah, oh, absolutely, we did. I mean, sometimes, you know, horses come out in the morning after, you know, a big work, and, you know, they just take them a little bit to get warmed up, you know, as uh, my uh, my boy Joe agrees uh, in the background. <laughs> Our best to uh, Joe. <laughs> yeah, he, he loves to, you know, when I do podcasts or I do radio shows, he loves to make sure that he's getting his doing. Um and um, the biggest thing is, you know, when you're watching horses and you see something like that, you can't put your finger on it. But if they warm out of it, you're fine. It's just like regular athletes, uh, you know, uh, Tom. You know, you watch you even when you watch your your Kentucky Wildcats. You know, sometimes you're watching a a, a practice or you're watching a uh, a warm up, and you're like, you know, that guy's a little stiff right now. You know, but come game time, you know, they really, uh, straight. They, they really, <laughs> he always does this to me. Uh, <laughs> um, but, um, he wants to file a complaint with the manager that I'm not paying attention to him. Um, but, um, it's, uh, one of those things that, you know, you see, it, it's, and, and then come game time, they, they're, they're you know, they're 100%. With this one here, Tom Drury did the right thing. He's got a really nice horse. And he can win the Preakness. He's still got the Breeders' Cup. So, um, and, and, and I'm going to tell you, that horse is an extreme talent. And, and hats off to Tom Drury for taking the right steps and not getting caught up in derby fever. And it would be disappointing for anybody to have this happen just a few days before the derby. Heck, on the, on the, the morning of the draw for post positions. But especially so for these connections because they're, you know, Kentucky through and through. Yeah, um, I, I look at it this way, and I, I really believe this, you know, because I'm an Orsona and, you know, myself, and that is, you know, as long as you get to fight another day, as long Good as point. you have, and it's not a major injury, it's not something that, you know, you can't bring him back soon. Uh, sounds like he grabbed himself, sounds like he grabbed a quarter uh, or uh, cut himself enough that they would have to, Either stitch him up or do some things that they can't, they can't just, you know, be able to overcome it. I'll give you a great example of a horse that came up with a little problem right before the Derby, Empire Man. If you remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Bobby Frankel, that was his best shot to win the Derby. And he had peace rules and the race also. And what happened there the two days before, two days before he ended up uh, looking, coming out on the track and he was dead lame. Dead lame. And you're looking at it going, he's not going to get any better. He ended up running a fantastic third. But, um, you know, what are you going to do? You know, and won the, and won the Belmont three weeks or five weeks after that. I'm sorry. And won the Belmont five weeks after that. So he, he got, he got healthy and, and came back to be a a, a, problem. Yeah. Foot bruise. You know, and I remember. 
I remember watching them come out. And for the, I think it was, I was at Hollywood Park doing my railroad club. And I'm watching them come out of the track. And, and, and people ask me, well, how do you, what, what, what part of it do you look at when leading up to the Derby? Especially in the last three, four days, I watch them come out and go around that bottom turn on the outside, jogging towards, around, towards you on camera. And you can really see those that are doing really well to those who maybe are over the top and have been pushed to get to that point. You'll be putting out your report later this week with uh, the card for for Saturday for Derby Day. But as you've watched these horses uh, as they've arrived at Churchill or you've watched them from other places, um, anybody in particular that is catching your eye this week is that seems to be coming up to their peak. We still got three more days to go. <laughs> um, I watch everyone because I want to get a good line. And by the way, we have a Hurley deadline, like like Thursday. So I try to wait until Thursday to make my final decision because I want to see some of these horses come out of their works. It, it, it's, it's kind of like that um, horsemanship um, that you hear trainers talking about. You know, it's only a good work if you come out of the work well. So you you worked well. Now the next day you walk. Derby horses end up coming up to the track the next day, so you get to see the way they warm up. But it does take a couple of days, and then you might see some fluctuation in how they move. It's all about movement. It's all about the way they move through through uh, their joints, through 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 their body. That gives you a good sense as a trainer to say, hey, my horse came out of that well. Uh, but you always want to wait a couple of days. And and sometimes you can really see things. And, and and even, you know, after a big effort, you know, you get to see the way they move. But I give it about two, three weeks after a big effort to see how they actually are going to present themselves. I've seen horses come out on the track for two weeks after a big race, and they're great, training super, working fast. And then all of a sudden in the third week, Tom, they start almost like shriveling up on you. They start getting hot. They start getting worried. They start not, you know. So it's really interesting on, on understanding the process that it takes for a horse to start showing you. It's like us. If we go on a long trip, uh, if we take a long plane ride, I know you've had to do that before. You feel great the next day. You got a good night's sleep. You're like, God, you know, I feel great. I'm not tired at all. What happens about three, four days later? That's when it hits you. And and that's the same thing with horses. It's just, you know, um, we're flesh and blood. So uh, they end up showing it sometimes, and I'm just waiting for them to show it to me or to improve on what they look like. You'll get your first look at uh, Tis the Law tomorrow morning. I think he arrives uh, today, so he'll be out on the track tomorrow. It, he's going to be the biggest favorite since Arazi in, in 92. Um, I don't, my guess is Mike Battaglia won't – make him less than even money when they put out the line this morning, but uh, he'll be pretty close, uh, I would think. Um, is he? Do you see any vulnerability on Tis the Law? You know, having haven't seen before he ever started at Saratoga last year, um, you look at him, and he's, you're not your prototypical derby horse. He's a compact, chunky um, constitution, uh, um, Colt, 
and Constitution was uh, by Tappet, and he has none of those traits. He does have some quirky, little quirky stuff the way he moves. He loves to shift his body weight, you know. But th- as, as you know from following basketball closely, they come in all shapes and sizes, and he is. I thought he won the Travers about as easy as a horse could do it. Now, the only thing that can get him where he doesn't run first or second is himself. And I'm looking forward to see how he comes out. What, what Barkley Tag has done, um, he's kept his foot on the pedal with him. He hasn't given him, given him the opportunity of a, of a letdown, where some trainers would have backed up, slowed in. It's a Lucian Lauren, what Lucian Lauren did with Secretariat after he won the Preakness. He never, ever let that horse take a, take a breather as far as in the morning in the works. I think he worked him uh, a mile in, in a very fast time before the Belmont, his legendary Belmont. And keeping that foot on the pedal, Baffert does the same thing. He does not allow those horses to have a, a mental, and, and I think a lot of bad efforts are, are, are mental letdowns. Again, going back to basketball, how many times you, you, you've seen the Wildcats when they get beat? It wasn't about they got overplayed, outplayed by a, a better team, but it was all mental. Yeah. No, it's a good analogy. They beat themselves. Um, you can find Bruno's analysis day in and day out. Churchill starts racing today, so you can go to brunowiththeworks.com. And um, I, I will just throw this out. Back in the year California Chrome won, uh, his second choice was about sixty to one, commanding curve that ran second. So he's going to, uh, he and his team are going to. You had to uh, remind me of that, didn't you? <laughs> they're going to stuff out the, the long all shots the money too. That I left on the table. <laughs> yeah. Tell me uh, about also a little added thing you guys are doing for Oaks and Derby this week with uh, like a Zoom session or something. Can I give you an additional story to that which you just brought up about sure. commanding curve? Two sure. years before, when Orb ran, I loved a D-Wayne Lucas horse named Will Take Charge. Loved him. And around the turn, Will Take Charge is around 37 to 1. And Will Take Charge is rallying inside of Orb. Him and Orb are coming right down the lane together. And Johnny Velasquez on Verrazano comes out about five lanes in the stretch right into Johnny Court's path. Probably Johnny Court's last chance that, that, that year to win the Derby. And I think Will Take Charge would have won that day. And he completely got stopped. And so, uh, you know, you had to bring these memories back to me. Had to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, there's so many yeah, tough, we, we, we always yeah. remember the tough beats more than the, the great victories. Tell me about the seminars, though. What we're doing is we're doing Zoom webinar for Oaks and Derby. The first one is tomorrow night. Uh, if you sign up for our package at uh, racingwithbruno.com. That's our online store, uh, and you get not only our products, but you'll get an invite to come to a webinar. And if you can't, uh, you can't tune in that day, or you have other things, I can uh, absolutely send you a uh, a, um, a link where you can go watch it after uh, in uh, you know after we're done. So it's going to be a little different, you know. But this is 2020; everything is different. Yeah. 
Get that right. Uh, so go to brunowiththeworks.com. You can uh, get the info on that and the daily report. Saratoga and Del Mar still uh, going with great racing there, too, as well as Churchill gearing up this week and Kentucky Downs next week, all leading up to Keeneland and uh, the Breeders' Cup at Keeneland later this year. Bruno, thank you so much. We'll let you get back to work. Have a good day. I look forward to seeing everybody out there. Have a great day. It's Bruno DiGiulio, and it's BrunoWithTheWorks.com. Ken Spencer from WHAS-TV coming up next on The Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Ken Spencer from WHAS-TV joins us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Are you at Churchill? I'm getting ready to go back. I was there this morning, and then obviously I'll go back for the for the draw. But but clearly the big news of the day is is our collector is now out um, of the Derby, which is a little bit of a shock considering I think I would say most people would think that he was going to be the second betting favorite, if not you yep. know definitely in the top five. And you know it's one of the best stories in uh, this Derby, uh, and a guy like. Tom, I, I kind of thought uh, Tommy Drury to me was kind of a little bit of a Calvin Burrell kind of angle there in that back in 07, I remember talking to Calvin and uh, you know it was his first chance. He'd ridden in the Derby before, but it was his first chance to have a horse in street sense that had a real chance to win. And so this is Tommy Drury's longtime horseman, but he's finally in the Derby, and not only just in the Derby, but with a chance to win. So, of course, in 2020, we'd lose that story. You know, the thing about it is, too, Tom, that, that makes this, you know, I, I'm not going to say funny because it, it, nothing, nothing about this is funny. But, you know, I talked to Tommy yesterday for about 15 minutes just outside the paddock. And we had an interview set up for him for 9 o'clock yesterday morning. And he said, hey, the vet wants to come by at 9 o'clock. I'll be there after the vet gets done. So the vet had, had come over, had taken a look at our collector. Tommy came and talked to us. And to be honest, like, if he knew our collector was going to be able to run, he probably would have told us then or even gave me a heads up. But there was no indication even at that point that our collector wasn't going to be, you know, but it, but it had to be soon after that where, you know, it all went because he's already at, at George Farm up at, uh, in Oldham County, as we speak. I mean, he left the track yesterday afternoon. And going to be able, it looks like, to run in the Preakness, so that's good. So it is truly just something very minor, but, you know, it's something minor this close to a race like the Derby can knock you out. Yeah, and and, and if you're somebody like you mentioned, um, Tommy Drury's story, it, this is this is you know anything but minor. I mean, I think he'd rather skip the Preakness and be able to run in the Derby if he had his. Oh, uh, absolutely. It's and, it's just one of those things that. And you, and you think about that. Look, this is 2020. This is you keep your head on a swivel and you expect everything. Yeah, and it's just I, you know I think of. Uh, you know, a lot of things intersect. Terry Wilson's um, a, a new dad just in the last 24 hours. You doing these tweets all through this about uh, you and your kids uh, day by day getting through uh, the the lockdown and so forth. And I saw a story earlier this week when they uh, with Tommy Drury saying his daughter had kind of a tear in her eye when she heard there weren't going to be fans at the Derby. And he said, don't worry, you get to go. And yeah. so now they, you know, the horse is, is out, and so they'll get to go to the Preakness, but it's still nothing's like the Derby. No, 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 no. There's nothing like the Derby. Even though I will, I will say this: it, it has been 
you know, I think for the horsemen, you know, we did a story with Greg Fuller the other day. He's an Old County native. He's got he's got major food, and this is, you know, he he went out on his own in 1981, and this is his first horse in the Derby. And I've asked some of these guys, and I have come to the same thing. It's like, look, the fact that there's no fame, the fact it's in September, and, and let's be honest, there, there feels like there's a little cloud hanging over the Derby this year for, like, the outsiders looking at. But for those guys who this was going to be their first go at it, you know, it's still with the Kentucky Derby. It's still, it still meant everything. But it just, it, I'll say this, it feels different this week. It just does. Oh, I bet. I, bet. I mean, Tom, I'll say this. Yesterday, Derby week. I mean, and you know how many people or how many media would be on, a, on the backside in a, in a typical Derby week. There were less than 10 media members yesterday at Churchill Downs. And obviously, you know, between the, the media members and, and the horsemen and the employees, that's it. The place looks like an absolute empty cathedral this week. It's uh, strange, strange times. Let me change gears for just a second as we're running short on time. Get a quick thought from you on what you're hearing out of uh, Kentucky football. Yeah, I mean, I think that Mark Stoops seems really, really pleased with, with what he's seeing. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing for Kentucky is is that Terry Wilson is has really looking good. He's healthy, he's 100%. He's running well. He's throwing the ball well. I think that's huge for them. But, I mean, I, I don't. I can't recall, even back a couple of years ago when Josh Allen was a senior, I don't ever recall Stoops being this pleased in a camp heading into a season, but he seems to really like what he's seen from his football team. I think you're right. It's it's uh, actually a good observation because he, he's not had any bad days so far in, in from uh, the way he's talked anyway. Kent, we'll let you get back to work and head back to the downs, um, and thank you for the time. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Ken Spencer, WHS-TV. Quick break, and we'll wrap up the show in just a moment here on the report. All of our Kentucky Derby coverage this week is presented by Claiborne Farm, doing the usual unusually well. And they're going to draw for post positions here in about 45 minutes for Derby 146. Looks like a field of 17 now that Art Collector is out. And happy birthdays to Kentucky football linebacker Boogie Watson and former U.K. basketball star Jim Andrews, both celebrating birthdays today. You have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time right here on... 